Pastor Mike McCoy, welcoming you to the Time of Truth. And uh, uh, I'm in, out of Hebrews 6 and verse number 10. This verse has been a comfort to me for a long time. A young preacher quoted me this, called me one night. It was late. It was after 10 o'clock, about 10, 30, 11 o'clock. And a young preacher called me and gave me this verse. And I was in a time when I needed it as bad as I've ever needed anything. And when he called me, I, I told him, I was, he, he, he quoted me the verse or the chapter and verse. And he just thought I'd know it. And I said, son, I can't quote John 3.16 right now. I said, what does that say? And he told me. And when he did, I, had a, I shouted there in the bed and gave Pat a heart attack. And for I knew that God had spoke through him to me. God's done that to me a few times in my ministry. I, I, don't, I don't know why he works that way with me. I'm just slow. And so when you're slow, he has to work with you special. I'm one of them special needs preachers. I feel like that's how God teach me, teaches me. Uh, uh, Hebrews 6 and verse number 10 says this. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love which ye have showed toward his name in that ye have ministered to the saints. Doesn't stop there. And do minister. Father, I love you. I thank you for the night. And I am familiar with grace. And God, you've rescued me more than once. And I thank you for your favor and your presence. I thank you for this place and these people. God, we could be in Ukraine tonight being bombed or be living down on the border outside and under a bridge. God, there's a lot of places we could be tonight, and here we are in a warm house of God being blessed to the Father. I've come to give you glory tonight, God. Help me never forget what you've done for me. God, how good you've been to me. Oh, God, we're a nation of ingrates, I'm afraid. Lord, help us not be. Fill my mouth, guard my tongue tonight. Bless this little story for the glory of the King. It reminds us of your faithfulness. I'll praise you for everything done. If someone here is unsaved tonight, I pray you'd save them, Lord. I ask it in my Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. There's a story behind the story uh, of how I came across this. My grandpa... Oli passed away a long time ago, been several years now. And he had a collection of books, and, uh, and, and Roseanne said, she said, Grandpa's got a collection of uh, books on preaching, said it's just messages, and said, uh, you're the only one I know to be interested in them. And I said, oh, oh, by all means, I'll take them. First, I wanted them because they was his, Gordon. But then it's from the old guys that you and I talk about and refer to often. Messages by Spurgeon and D.L. Moody and, and the guys of yesteryear, Billy Sunday, Chapman, the guys that could preach. Had power on them, unbelievable power. I'm afraid the power's diminished today. Uh, it's the same God, but the power, it's not the power, it's not the Holy Ghost's fault, it's our fault. We are, we are uh, well, we've got many weights and sin 
we need to lay aside. And, and so, but this is a little story. I'm going to read you a story tonight. I just, and, I, and when I'm done here, you might want to pray. You might not. I don't know. We'll give a verse and course of an invitation song. When I'm through, I'll call you up, Sister Jewel, and I'll be done. And uh, <clears throat> this, isn't, this isn't a long story. I can read it in about 15 minutes, I think. This is called a, a, a Frontier Christmas or a, a Thrilling Christmas Time on the Frontier is what this is in reference to. And it's back in, the, it's back in horse and carriage days. It's uh, pre-early 1900s, I guess, was when this took place. And uh, this, this story is from a pastor's wife. For those of you that don't know, the pastor's wife bears burdens and weights that no one will ever know. Jewel knows it because her mama was a pastor's wife. And the, the girls that's in here tonight that wives of pastors or will be pastor's wives, uh, it, 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 it's a burden that no one else knows but them. But it's a blessing, too, that God gives that no one gets with them. I remember a day, one unusually cold winter that stands out like a boulder in my life. Our salary had not been regularly paid. And it did not meet our needs when it was. My husband was away much of the time, traveling from one district to another. He must have been a Methodist. That's, I'm assuming from the way this is written. Our boys were well. But my little Ruth was, was ailing. And at best, none of us were decently clothed. I patched and repatched. With spirits sinking to the lowest ebb. The water gave out in the well. And the wind blew through the cracks in the floor. The people in the parish were kind and generous, but the settlement was new. And each family was struggling for itself. Little by little, at the time I needed it most, my faith began to waver. Early in life, I'd been taught to take God at His word. And I thought that my lesson was well learned. I had lived upon the promises in dark times until I knew as David did who was my fortress and deliverer. Now a daily prayer for forgiveness was all that I could offer. My husband's overcoat was hardly thick enough for October. He was often obliged to ride miles to attend some meeting or funeral. Many times our breakfast was an Indian cake with a cup of tea without sugar. Christmas was coming. The children always expected presents. I remember the ice was thick and smooth and the boys were each craving a pair of skates. Ruth, in some unaccountable way, had taken a fancy that the dolls I made were no longer suitable. She wanted a nice large one instead and insisted on praying for it. 
I knew it was impossible. But oh, how I wanted to give each child his present. It seemed as if God had deserted us. But I did not tell my husband all this. He worked so earnestly and heartily that I supposed him to be as hopeful as ever. I kept the sitting room cheerful with an open fire. Tried to serve our scanty meals as invitingly as I could. The morning before Christmas, James was called to see a sick man. I gave him a piece of bread for his lunch. It's the best I could do. Wrapped it in my plaid shawl. Wrapped him in my plaid shawl around his neck and tried to whisper a promise as often I had. But the words died away on my lips and I let him go without it. That was a dark, hopeless day. I coaxed the children to bed early, for I could not bear their talk. When Ruth went, I listened to her prayer. She asked for the last time, most explicitly, for her doll and for skates for her brothers. Her bright face looked so lovely when she whispered to me, You know, I think they'll be here early tomorrow. Mama, that I thought I could move heaven and earth to save her from disappointment. I sat down alone and gave way to the most bitter tears. Before long, James returned, chilled and exhausted. He drew off his boots. The thin stockings slipped off with them. His feet were red with cold. I wouldn't treat a dog that way let alone a faithful servant. I said, then as I glanced up and saw the hard lines in his face and the look of despair, it flashed across me that James had let go too. I brought him a cup of tea, feeling sick and dizzy. At the very thought, he took my hand. We sat for an hour without a word. I wanted to die and meet God and tell him that his promise wasn't true. My soul was so full of rebellious despair. By and by, there came a sound of bells. A quick step and a loud knock at the door. James sprang to open it. There stood Deacon White. A box came by express just before dark. I brought it around as soon as I could get away. Reckoned it might be for Christmas. At any rate, I said, they shall have it tonight. Here is a turkey. My wife asked me to fetch along. And these other things, I believe, belong to you too. There were a basket of potatoes and a bag of flour. Talking all the time, he hurried in the box. And then, with a hearty good night, he rode away. Speechless, 
James found a chisel and opened the box. He drew out, a, he drew out first a thick red blanket. And we saw beneath it. The box was full of clothing. It seemed at that moment. As if Christ had fastened upon me a look of reproach. James sat down and covered his face with his hands. I can't touch them. He explained, I haven't been true. Just when God was trying me to see if I could hold out. Do you think I could not see how you were suffering? And I had no word of comfort to offer. I know now how to preach the awfulness of turning away from God. James, I said, clinging to him, don't take it to heart like this. I am to blame. Ought to have helped you. We will ask him together to forgive us. Wait a moment. Dear, I cannot talk now. Then he went into another room, and I knelt down, and my heart broke. In an instant, all the darkness, all the stubbornness rolled away. Jesus came again and stood before me with the loving word, daughter. Sweet promises of tenderness and joy flooded my soul. I was so lost in praise and gratitude that I forgot everything else. I do not know how long it was before James came back, but I knew that he too had found peace. Now, my dear, he said, let us thank God together. Then he poured out words of praise, Bible words, for nothing else could express our thanksgiving. It was 11 o'clock. The fire was low. And there was the great box. Nothing touched but the warm blanket we needed. We piled on some fresh logs, lighted two candles, and began to examine our treasures. We drew out an overcoat. I made James try it on. Just the right size. And I danced around him. For all my lightheartedness had returned. Then there was a cloak. And he insisted on seeing me in it. My spirits always infected him. And we both laughed like foolish children. There was a warm suit of clothes also and three pairs of woolen hose. There was a dress for me and yards of flannel. A pair of arctic overshoes for each of us and in mine a slip of paper. I have it now and mean to hand it down to my children. It was Moses' blessing to Asher. Thy shoes shall be iron and brass. And as thy days, so shall thy strength be. In the gloves, evidently for James, the same dear hand had written, I, the Lord thy God, will hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, Fear not, I will help thee. It was a wonderful box and packed with thoughtful care. There was a suit of clothes for each of the boys and a little red gown for Ruth. There were mittens, scarves and hoods, 
And down in the center, another box. We opened it. There was a great wax doll. I burst into tears again. James wept with me for joy. It was too much. And then we both exclaimed again, for close behind it came two pairs of skates. There were books for us to read. Some of them I had wished to see. Stories for the children to read. Aprons and underclothing. Knots of ribbon. A gay little tidy. A lovely photograph. Needles, buttons, and threads. Actually a muff. And an envelope containing a $10 gold piece. At last we cried over everything we took up. It was past midnight. We were faint and exhausted even with happiness. I made a cup of tea, cut a fresh loaf of bread, and James boiled some eggs. We drew up the table before the fire, how we enjoyed our supper. And then we sat talking over our life. How sure I am. God always proves. You should have seen the children. The next morning, the boys raised a shout. At the side of their skates, Ruth called up her doll and hugged it tightly without a word. Then she went into her room and knelt by the bed. When she came back, she whispered to me, I knew it'd be here. But I wanted to thank God just the same, you know. Look here, wife. See the difference? We went to the window, and there were the boys out of the house already and skating on the crust with all their might. My husband and I both tried to return thanks to the church in the east that had sent the box. And have tried to return thanks unto God every day since. Hard times have come again and again. But we've trusted him. Dreading nothing so much as a doubt of his protecting care. They that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. That story stirs me every time I read it. And it reminds me of how many times I fail to thank him. For there's not, I have not enough cabinet space to hold the food that's in my house. We've been sent gifts and boxes, cookies and cake. It's a, di- it's a diabetics uh, nightmare where I live. It, it, it'd kill most of them if I eat just part of what I've got. God's blessed Pat and I. When we got serious with God, God got serious with us. And I'm not saying that it's all been a cakewalk. There's been stress and times and and then you don't know how you're going to make it through and you wonder why you should even try and then there's a fire shut up on your bones and you're weary with forbearing and you cannot stay. 
He's not unrighteous to forget any good thing you've done and done it for his cause and his glory. Everything we give, we ought to give with him in mind and everything we receive, we ought to receive it that God's provided it to come our way. Some of you in this room tonight were raised as poor as I was. I'm not saying poor. We weren't, we weren't impoverished to the place of not being able to eat. But I, never, I was never raised in a family that had a new car. We never had a new car. I didn't know what new cars was. I didn't want them to pick me up in front of school, pick me up down at the corner, because the old car looked rough and sounded like a thrashing machine. And there's things that other kids had that I didn't have, and it always bothered me at that time. I could care less now. But I always had this. Always had something to eat and a roof over my head, and I was warm in the winter. I was warm in the summer. We didn't have an air conditioner. But I was loved. I was loved from my mom and my daddy. My dad never told me he loved me until I began to preach. And I don't know why that was. It's just how it worked out. Tell your kids you love them. Nothing like a son hearing his daddy tell him he loves him. Changes him. It's easy for the girls, but it just seemed to be hard for the boys. But through it all, through it all, God's been good. God's been good. This, this is a short journey. I don't know where 21 years have gone. 20, just in February 1st, it'll be 21 years I've been pastor here. I've been here nearly 30 years at this church. It's hard to believe, Brother Branch. I don't know where, where it comes. Jimmy, was you at our wedding? You wasn't at our wedding. I thought you were. Well, you weren't there then. If he don't remember it, who could forget that at memorable event? But I met you just soon thereafter. You've been my friend. This has been our life. Find the thing God wants you to do and do it with all your heart. And watch God bless you. Get serious with God, he'll get serious with you. He'll bless you and he won't forget your labor of love you've shown toward his name. He will not forget it. It may get like the Christmas story on the frontier. And it get dark and you think it's over. But just at that time, you'll hear the bells. Something will happen. He'll show up. He'll send somebody by. It'll be Christmas time all over again. He's a good God. Come sing us a verse of song, Randall. Of course, somebody wants to pray, they're welcome to come. That's everything I've got on my heart tonight. Sometimes... I just forget to say thank you, Lord. Brother Mike Rimmer and I was talking before church tonight, and I asked him, or I told him, I said, I don't know. I asked Pat, I asked Pat, I said, what are we going to do with all the stuff? And I appreciate the cards and the gifts. You don't know what that means to us. It, more than the item, it was that you thought about us. That's what means the most. And you express that by giving something. But I asked her, I said, what are we going to do with all this stuff? Now, most of it's food. 
That's how blessed we are. If you stand tonight, Brother Randall leads us in a song here. If you need to pray about something, pray for someone, pray about something. If you're unsaved, you need to call on the name of the Lord and he'll hear you. What's your number, brother? Pastor Mike McCoy, thanking you for joining us at the time of truth.